Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. So listen, how's your Christmas shopping going? You haven't started yet, have you? Well, fear not, the big interview is here to help solve all your problems. For the football fans in your life, here's three stocking fillers. Firstly, the documentary film of my book, Barca, The Making of the Greatest Team in the World, is now available everywhere on DVD and digital download. Take the Ball, Pass the Ball is the definitive story, we like to say, of the greatest football team ever assembled and features exclusive interviews with Barca's stellar cast of current and ex-players, including that geezer Lionel Messi, Xavi, Andres Iniesta, Thierry Henry, Dani Alves, Gerard Piquet, Carlos Puyol and Sergio Busquets, plus a rare exclusive contribution from Pep Guardiola himself. There, that's that one present sorted. Secondly, my old chum and fellow dandy Jonathan Northcroft has a new book out published by Backpage, these marvellous people that bring you the books, the podcasts. It's called Deadlines and Darts with Delhi, and it's Jonathan's World Cup diary from Russia last summer, and it's essential reading for the football fan in your life. Finally, check out another Backpage book, Football 2.0, How the World's Best Play the Modern Game by Grant Wall. Through extensive interviews with one player in every key position on and off the pitch, Grant breaks down the technical and tactical revolutions which have transformed football. So, there you have it. Take the ball, pass the ball, deadlines and darts with Delhi, football 2.0. That's not only difficult to say, it's Christmas sorted. Courtesy of your friends at the big interview. You're ho, ho, ho. Welcome. Our socios are all over the world. There's G here, uh, reporting in after a busy week, working on our mutual behalf. Very uh, exciting news in that James Melner uh, said yes to a big interview and fully came through with the goods. What an interesting, entertaining, uh, often very funny man he is. Also pretty blunt, um, tells the truth, tells stories as he sees it. Guess you'd expect nothing less, given his reputation. Uh, boring, no chance. Followed by um, some recordings for our sponsors, Bet365. Some were predictive, some were fun. They're coming stretched out between now and Christmas time, including a look ahead to the game which is on my mind today, Atleti against Football Club Barcelona. And then Scott Minto, the only guest of all of them we've had so far where really I genuinely didn't need to be there. I could have sent Scott a little memo and said, Scott, um, record several extraordinary passages from your playing career and just make a big interview on your own, and he would have done, and you'd have loved listening to it. These are coming up. Uh, Kev Bridges is just around the corner on the big interview. For the moment, though, this is this form. Uh, I, f- most of you probably won't remember Alistair Cook, not the England batsman, but the journalist who lived in America and broadcasted um, for many decades, and I grew up listening to. And this uh, single format where there's no Neil, no Martin, no Tater, uh, chatting to me, we've begun to call Letter from America. So 
Sorry about that. Now, what's on my mind this this time for the big inside view is the idea that hopefully you'll be watching Atletico against Barcelona, a pretty crucial match in La Liga's development. Whether it's crucial in its ultimate destination, who wins this title, I think that's arguable, yes. But we are still only in uh, late November, so it, it, it's far, far, far from definitive. But we've patently got a league developing where any of at least three, maybe four teams could win it. Atleti, required to be looking at a match like this as an absolute must-win. Atleti need to be looking at La Liga as a, not only a can-win, but must-win, an objective. They they need not be blinded by their lust to eventually win the Champions League, having had such heartbreak uh, throughout it. A penalty defeat, an extra-time defeat, a replay defeat in the mid-70s against Bayern Munich. The fact that the Metropolitano is the host to the final in June is is getting some people around the club, not just the fans or the journalists who support Aleti, a bit crazy between the ears. Now, when you're playing a Barca side, which is patently um, all highs and lows, there's very little in between at the moment in Valverde's side, in that when they're dragged about, when they pick the wrong formation, when they don't overpopulate midfield, they can look hugely porous. Um, as I speak to you, they've conceded, I think, 18 times, whereas you know, in the league campaigns, when they won the title under, say, Pep Guardiola, or in, incluso, sorry for dipping into Spanish there, um, also under Luis Enrique when, the, when they won the treble in 2015, the goal totals across the whole season tended to be 21, 24, and 18 conceded already. It does bring to mind the battle in midfield that will hopefully take place, both men being fit, both men being selected between Sergio Busquets and Rodri, Rodrigo. In, in many ways, Atleti start this match 2-0 up, which is fantastic for the Rojiblancos, given that they haven't won a home La Liga match against Barca for what would be nine years in February. I mean, you know, almost a decade of having to see Barca coming to now the Metropolitano. This is only Barca's second game at the at the one, the Metropolitano. And so many at the Calderon where throughout Cholo Simeone's reign, albeit that they've not Barca out of Europe twice, neither in La Copa or in La Liga, and prior to um, you know a, a different uh, a different Barcelona under Tata Martino, you can throw in the Super Cup too, and an Atleti, which is this ferocious, uh, well planned, ambitious, increasingly successful. In fact, Cholo Simeone has overseen the most well the golden era of of Atleti's entire history. Yet they haven't been able to beat. Barca in any of three competitions across the Argentinians' reign in charge of Atleti, where it's been tearing down barrier after barrier, um, a title win, more wins in Europe, ending their long run against uh, Real Madrid of not being able to, to beat them in a derby match, reaching the Champions League final twice. Okay, they didn't win either of them, but season after season, month after month, Cholo Simeone has redefined what it is to be an Atleti player, um, to be an Atleti team. The trophies have followed on good habits, good signing, intelligence, an aggressive vertical style of play which is very easy to identify but also dotted throughout the performances across the Cholo Simeone years. There have been, you know, really fabulous footballers um, playing creatively and excitingly. And yet, 
in all those seasons when Cholo's been in charge, Barcelona have managed to win at Calderon, it's always been, eight times by a single goal margin. Either 2-1, which I think is on six of the occasions, 3-2, 1-0. Messi's been a tormentor. But present in all of those big wins has been Sergio Busquets. You understand why? Because if you've been listening to this series, if you're a socio, then you don't need my words or my opinion about what kind of footballer Sergio Busquets is. You'll have figured out many, many years ago. But to, to, to set the picture, his um, the guy who, I, I guess, is his, let's not call it inheritor, but disciple, Rodri. It's, it's the 2-0 up reference that I made is that Griezmann is a footballer that Barcelona correctly um, identified as a principal target uh, last season. All throughout the season, legitimately or not, according to the rules, they worked on his signature. And they finished the domestic campaign thinking that they'd persuaded him, thinking that they could get him for what was going to be in June a reduced uh, buyout clause of only, he says, uh, with a smile, 100 million euros. But it would be cut by about 50% from what it was at. Infamously, Griezmann, um, having scored twice in the final of the Europa League, Something changed his mind and it was beyond the fact that he was going to get brutally well paid at Atleti. The fans jeering him because they thought he was being treacherous in leaving, other players persuading him, principally Diego Godin, fearing that maybe he might have to sit out some games in comparison to the Luis Suarez, Dembele, Messi, Trident up front. Overall, only Antoine Griezmann can say definitively which of those elements were enough to persuade him to stay, but stay he did, 1-0 to Atleti over Barca. And the other one is this, and it was sorted far, far sooner, but Barcelona were asleep at the wheel. It was Rodri. The reason I make that point ahead of this game on Saturday night at the Metropolitano, where Simon Hanley and I will be uh, commentating, tune in on the 11 app if you got it, and go to the On Now part and, and scroll across and you'll get La Liga television in. Like it or not, you'll get us. The reason I talk about Rodri Busquets right now is that Rodri is already, it's proven, is an exceptional footballer. And I think that's something that's been clear for a number of seasons during his development at Villarreal. So when it became clear that Rodri was um, available for a buyout clause of... The the operation to purchase Rodri could be completed um, for about €25 million. It's... I mean, genuinely astonishing that Barcelona's talent spotters, development planners, didn't look at Sergio Busquets and what was going on around him, in um, particularly in La Liga, his age, his, um, not athleticism, but his speed across the turf, and say the, the best thing, the single best thing we can do, whether Paulinho is going or whether somebody has put Vidal on our radar or... Our tour is pretty much sealed. The single best thing we can do is place Rodri next to Sergio Busquets. Why? Well, because um, for the last season, um, when they won the, the Cup and League double, what was brutally clear was Valverde recognised that Barcelona, with its current style of footballer, with its um, current age level across its squad, would only be able to play 4-3-3 against the most basic team where the team was unlikely to be able to kick the ball over the top and chase or um, would be unlikely to plough through the front three and, and play through midfield. And 
against better teams who would drag a 4-3-3 around, um, better teams who would um, take advantage of their fullbacks not being pressed, say, by Messi and Dembele um, in wide positions, teams that would take advantage and overwhelm in midfield against a three-man central department. The 4-3-3 idea was something that Valverde recognised wasn't going to win them trophies even domestically, never mind in Europe. And therefore, for large parts of last season, not exclusively by any means, he looked to get a starting midfield of four, very often with Busquets and Rakitic and Polinho in there, but backed up with another footballer, say Coutinho when he came, but also with the full-backs pushed forward, very often, again, let's let's say predominantly Alba and Sergio Roberto, but occasionally Semedo, obviously. And, and the idea that was then that with four originally in midfield, plus um, a couple of wing-backs, not always both of them pushed forward, but sometimes both of them six, Messi dropping back in the midfield, seven. And Barcelona went all season, as you'll remember, uh, without losing a match in La Liga until the penultimate game when the league was already won. And lo and behold, Levante outfought them, um, took huge risks, outran them, um, overwhelmed them, took advantage of Messi being absent. And the extraordinary, I think, 5-4 finished match broke uh, Barca's record and was the only time when in, in the domestic season when Barcelona's um, really powerful grip on midfield ever relaxed from a chokehold to something that could be pushed around. This season's efforts to try and experiment with a three-man midfield with Busquets in the middle of it have proved deeply, deeply flawed and have proved that the idea of putting Rakitic and Polinho around Busquets as a Praetorian guard, um, Rakitic's athleticism and work rate, phenomenal. Polinho's ability to win the high ball and have Busquets sweeping up behind him. Polinho's ability to, to burst forward from midfield and link with Suarez or Messi. These elements worked. And what you saw was the way in which Busquets's brilliant brain, because he retains fabulous football technique and he's also bright and visionary. He sees what has to be done and and does it better than most people most of the time. Where he's got a dependency is for either the team to be built in a way that's keeping the ball better than they're doing in, in this modern era compared to since the, the absolute height of, say, Guardiola and Villanova. He needs to not be asked to, to have to do big, and by big I mean 15, 20-metre shuttle runs vertically and horizontally because... Sergio Busquets wasn't born with great pace and therefore having to do the, the mopping up movement of back and forward, up and down it is something that will expose the talents that he's got and leave the talents that he's got not used to its to their best effect. And when Barca play 4-3-3, as you know, the, the evidence of your own eyes tells you this, if, they, if say, the three includes Dembele and, and Messi... And then Coutinho is one of the three in midfield because as yet Coutinho is still developing an understanding of what the Barca system should be and he's not the world's greatest tackler or presser. Then over and over again, what can happen is that Busquets can look exposed. He can look at fault when in actual fact, the only fault he brings to the table is that he doesn't have a brutal sprinting pace or the engine to make 25 or 30 sprints across the pitch when what he was made to do was read the game, be in the right position and then do the right thing because around him others were doing the right thing with the ball, maintaining possession or if not, as Xavi and Iniesta 
moved on, the others around the pitch are able to do the pressing and, and make those shuttle runs for him so that, again, when he's on the ball, um, what he's asked to do are the things that he excels at. So there's a massive transition in the middle of the park for Football Club Barcelona. And while Artur, I'm a major fan of Artur um, because he's obviously studied the way that Xabi and Iniesta like to play. And whether he's identical to either of them is largely irrelevant because he's got his own set of skills. He does resemble in his shielding of the ball and his speed of use of the ball a young Xabi. And that's a huge compliment. But the best thing of all is that this is a footballer of ability who understands the way that the Barca system used to work and therefore Artur and Sergio Busquets paired together are clicking and you can see that they think alike and they move to similar areas of the pitch and Artur is a nice complementary force. Where Rodri would have been perfect is instead of the outlay on Arturo Vidal Suddenly, Ivan Rakitic could have been rested, used more sparingly. Rodri would have brought height, pace, because he's far, far quicker than Busquets. Intelligence of positioning, tackling and distribution to the mix. Barca's midfield would then have been extraordinarily powerful and Rodri would have been training at the the feet of the master. This is from a Barcelona point of view, not from my point of view, because I'm, I'm happy for the spread of power in La Liga that when leaving Villarreal, and for my money, I'd have loved to see Rodri anchoring Villarreal long enough to be reunited with Bruno, who's been injured so long there. And Villarreal wouldn't be in the mess that they're in domestically if he'd stayed. However, money talks. It's hard to understand why those in power at Football Club Barcelona, about a season ago when this um, deal was being done and Villarreal were signing away Rodri's rights for the end of last season and it was then guaranteed that he'd be joining Atleti, admittedly the club that he supports. It's um, hugely hard to understand why nobody saw the value of that minimal outlay for an extraordinary talent. This is a guy who will inherit the Busquets um, mantle um, at international level and who I think will become a dominant footballer in Spanish domestic play until maybe the Premier League comes calling for the remainder of his active athletic career. As long as injuries don't hamper him, this is a guy who can be dominant in Spanish football for as long as Busquets has so far. And Busquets is still only 30, so the idea of pairing Rodri and Busquets has so many facets, so many ideas, in that Rodri um, learns off the great man, but in the meantime does some of Sergio Busquets' tasks that he's no longer able to, to fulfil quite as athletically as he once did. And you have an enormous plus for the side, which now travels to the Wonder Metropolitano to face Rodri and Co. Rodri will be being taught in an exceptional way um, by Cholo Simeone. Cholo Simeone played not identically, but similarly in, in central midfield. It, he is able to guide Rodri in a different way of playing that he, playing that he wasn't being um, taught at Villarreal. And he's got Coque and Saul around him, each of whom have more experience, and more time in La Liga um, to, to soak up concepts about how Cholo Simeone wants that midfield to be deployed. And Rodri is in a good school. He's also a, a club which proves that Barcelona's lack of foresight, and I'll throw Real Madrid into that too, um, because it's patently clear that 
Um, we're not going to have, we probably shouldn't have had a season this season when Rumoured were fundamentally relying on Cruz, Casemiro, Modric, that there needed to be either a breaking up of that trio or a challenge to that trio. And I can't imagine that each of them will remain at the club from next summer onward. The idea of Rodri being in there is is not identical to him joining Football Club Barcelona. But you, from a Real Madrid point of view, the idea of signing this Spaniard, who's available at a hugely cheap price, who's in the age profile that Florentino Perez has been saying time and time again that he wishes to pursue, and, and has done so, if you think about Vallejo and Teo, who isn't going to work because he's not good enough, but um, Llorente, Ceballos... Odriozola, there has been a rolling out of this policy of buying promising young, uh, relatively affordable Spanish talents by Florentino Perez. And, you know, albeit for an Atleti fan to, to sign for Real Madrid, that's a challenge that you talk amongst yourselves about whether you thought he would have or could have, should have, however you want to phrase it. But for Real Madrid not to target Rodri, it seems to me to be absolutely bizarre. So here we are... Um, with Cholo Simeone having this beckoning opportunity to win against Barcelona domestically for the first time in his reign at Atleti. And it's it's strange to think that particularly FC Barcelona didn't think enough of Rodri at Villarreal to sign him. And I say that strange not because of his current abilities, but because Atleti, the club who had to recuperate him, told him when he was a kid in their academy, you're, you're too weak, you're too small, you're physically not able, we're going to dump you down a few rungs. Something largely similar to what happened with Gerard Piquet at Football Club Barcelona, where in the junior ranks, Cesc was being advanced and Piquet was not, and in fact fell out with the club because he felt that he was being stalled and subsequently left nearly joining Arsenal, actually joining Manchester United, with bad feeling between uh, the club and, and Gerard Piquet because too many coaches felt that Piquet needed to be held back in his development. Well, the same happened to Rodri at Atletico Madrid. Extraordinary, though that sounds now that you look at it. And in the junior ranks, what happened was all his peers were moved forward and he was dumped back two levels. And um, after a horrendous season, Villarreal, who'd seen the talent, took advantage of the fact that Atleti were saying to Rodri, you're not um, physically strong enough, you're not tall enough, you're not big enough, we don't like you. And um, that blow has been excised from the memory by his development years at Villarreal and then being signed back to Atleti and I guess if the player was involved in this conversation Rodri would be saying well I am where I should be I am where I want to be and for the balance of power in the Liga that he's at Atleti or had it been Valencia or Sevilla then great I salute that it's I, no way do I want a stockpile of talent at Real Madrid or Football Club Barcelona but strategically if you're those clubs and you look at what you missed out on you have to be banging your head off the wall right now as far as Saturday night is concerned, there are so many variables about does Coutinho get fit in time um, to, to try and help balance the fact that Ivan Rakitic is definitely out. Has Umtiti made enough progress in the international break with his training on cartilage, which the club now seem to be briefing the local press is, is, is quite badly damaged. There seems to be a looming operation coming from uh, for Umtiti, hopefully in the summer for his point of view, I guess. And if he's fit, given the way in which Barcelona have been shipping goals, you'd imagine that he takes his place back from Longley, albeit that Longley has been relatively blame-free in the way in which the majority of these goals have gone in during Umtiti's absence. But beyond that, 
you know, Leo Messi was given time off, holidayed in, du- in Dubai with his family in the 32 degree heat that James Milner was also enjoying, as was Paul Pogba and numerous other football personalities. But he's had very little actual football time since his arm fracture against Sevilla. Only that um, 4-3 home defeat, in which admittedly he scored twice against Real Betis. But shortness is something that I'm certain Leo Messi could have been doing with honing during the, the break. Um, instead, he was given time off. I, my voice isn't critical at all, but I'm trying to estimate. Do we see the absolute best Leo Messi? This guy who scored during that run of eight single-goal wins for Barcelona when they faced Acholo Simeone at Leti in Madrid. He scored six and made one in, in single-goal wins. That's a gigantic amount of impact by Messi. Is he at his best? Let's wait and see. For Atleti, maybe Correa wasn't a starter, but as we record this right now on Thursday, he's not back yet um, from international duty. Let's look at um, Godin being out. Advantage, disadvantage. That phrase would sound ludicrous in many of recent seasons because Godin has been a leader, a champion. Yet this season he's been error-prone. And can they pair uh, Lucas and Savic and, and be successful? Uh, will Jimenez make it? Costa, uh, wildly out of form a couple of weeks ago, not ready, taken off after 46 minutes. Another minor injury in what has been a frustrating, goal-free, injury-plagued season. Does he start? Should he start? Is it Lamar uh, with Koke and Rodri and Saul? Does Thomas Partey's fabulous performance last week against Athletic where he made two and scored one does that win him a place in midfield all of these things will have a huge influence in the pattern of the game and the result but this is a gaping opportunity for whatever 11 Atleti turn out because they can legitimately look at the way that Real Madrid have been up and down in form this season sometimes awful sacked manager but yes Atleti in Barcelona that's the Jaws theme tune you can hear uh, behind you right now as, as Real Madrid close in for the for the kill maybe, looking refreshed looking um, as if the, the change to Solari has benefited certain key players, Cruz, Benzema easy to name them quickly Courtois, maybe anyway the long and short is that Atleti can look at their, their two major opponents in this league and think we've got their measure, Atleti have been wildly varied in form themselves but we're coming into that period now which tends to determine the league title the international matches are over to what I don't know March it's now about concentration it's now about domestic duty the Champions League will will, will die down um, once the next two games are finished with and Atleti can focus on getting their teeth into La Liga and therefore winning this match against Football Club Barcelona beckons as a possibility because Barca's form has been erratic. They won't have their best 11 out, that's for sure, um, on Saturday night. And while Barca can still produce magic, while what we saw for chunks of the game at Wembley, for the, all of the game at home to Inter Milan, for large parts of the game against Inter in the San Siro, for 75% of the match against Real Madrid, the Clasico, which is 1-5-1, we've seen that Barcelona, when focused and intense, can still be powerful and, for other teams, scary. But all the time? No. They get dragged around, they give space up too easily. Rayo Vallecano should probably have beaten them, never mind get the draw that was snatched away from them in the last minutes by Luis Suarez. And Betis went and, and could have scored... <sighs> at least another three goals against Football Club Barcelona in the camp now, having not won there for 20 years. Atleti can look at the patterns of play when Barcelona haven't been at their best and say, we know how to damage them.
do they? Will they? These are the things that make it pretty sexy to work in La Liga. These are the reasons that you should be watching on Saturday night. Um, get the 11 Sports app. I have no financial interest. They don't pay me at all. I'm saying get the 11 Sports app because they give you non-stop access to Spanish football. Um, you can watch the matches back at a later date. You know, the shows that Duncan McMath and Simon Hanley and guests like Gus Poyer or Chappie Ferrer, Guillaume Balaguer, Lauren, you, you get our verdict on, on the football um, three, four times a week. Come and join us at La Liga television on the 11 app if you're in the UK or Ireland elsewhere follow us um, socios around the world follow La Liga the way that you do normally but I guess my message is Rodri Busquets aside no Rakitic okay probably no Costa or should he be no matter who plays don't miss Atleti against Barca on Saturday night because it'll be a cracker that I promise you thanks for listening Thank you for joining us for season 2018-19. We've got huge creative plans for the months ahead, but we do need your help to make them happen. Please go right now to patreon.com forward slash Graham Hunter and become a social, become a paying member and get an extra big interview every month plus loads of bonus content. Last season, socios listened to nine exclusive big interviews including Rafa van der Vaart, Troy Deeney, Roberto Di Matteo and loads of me talking about football. The Premier League, the Champions League, Spanish football. I'm sure they enjoyed it and you will too. Support us, join us. Thank you.